into the Husker 24-7 podcast. Mike Schaefer back from vacation, joining Brian Christopherson. We might be joined by Michael Brunts uh, a little bit later. We are not entirely sure on that. So he might appear, he might not appear, but you're going to get about the same amount of words from Brunts either way. Brian. Oh, man. Slam. <laughs> <laughs> I have to keep up the jokes when I can, right? Yeah. And it's always good to jab. You know, he'll, he might never hear that, so that's all right. Well, considering he's the one that pulls together the podcast, he'll probably listen to at least the first two minutes of it. And then we're going to text about it. So, um, But, you know, there are certain things that I like to make fun of each of you for. You of Jack Stoll and your hatred of Nebraska's senior tight end and uh, Brunts with his just willingness to sit quietly on a podcast. So Yeah. You know. And it, it's good to have you back, too. I, I sent, <laughs> when you left, you, uh, you, uh, you got a big commitment, I, I gathered, while you are away from us. Well, uh, it was before I actually went on. Oh, okay. on vacation but uh you were you were headed out on vacation at that same time yeah I, right. I got engaged i'm in the middle of wedding planning um easier than i thought it might be but still way too many phone calls and emails and all the other things that have to happen while you're also trying to work your job and everything else but uh yeah. we'll we'll save the wedding planning for another podcast i'm sure that's fine Let's, uh, let's dive into our top 25 most indispensable Husker list. And before we get into, you know, we're going to talk about who we had at 25, 24, 23, 22, 21. Uh, people who want to see the aggregate list, those stories are going up right now on Husker 24-7. So we invite you to check that out. One of the things you wrote, Brian, you, you kind of talked about guys who missed the list. Uh, was there anybody that you didn't have that was a, a hard omission for you? as you kind of look through these things. Yeah, I didn't have Braxton Clark on mine. And uh, that one was difficult because I feel like he could be the third corner. And I think three corners are going to be used a lot. And while we like the depth that has been accumulating in the secondary, in theory, we haven't seen it yet with some of these guys. We don't know for sure what they have. And Braxton Clark, I think, you're a fan of his potential too. You know, he's got the six, four frame and I thought acquitted himself quite well when he started last year in the Purdue game, even though Nebraska did not play well as a team, I thought he personally played a good game. And uh, I just think he's a, uh, he's definitely could be the future at that position for the next two to three years of playing a lot of important snaps. So He's a guy who uh, I did not have on my list, but I, uh, I felt bad about not having him. I also didn't have Miles Farmer. We'll talk more about him because I think you did have him. But yeah. uh, you, I'm big on the Farmer train, so I left him off because he hasn't played yet really. But uh, still, I think his, uh, his talent uh, is going to be seen whenever they step on the field again. Yeah, you, you hit on what makes this difficult. Is there are certain guys like Nick Henrich is one for me that I – I felt like I could probably make a case for why he'd be in the top 25, but this is a guy that played in one game last year against Wisconsin. Uh, he's coming off of a knee injury. There's a lot of potential. I think a lot of excitement about him, but it's, it's hard when you're, you're going through and you're making this list. I mean, the first, you know, you can rattle off the first few names pretty easily. And to be honest, you can get to, to 20 fairly easily, but then you start to realize who you're not including. And I don't have a, you know, either freshman, I don't have any freshman wide receivers on this list at all. Uh, and there's a good chance that one of those guys could be one of the top 25 players 
uh, for Nebraska this past year. One of the things that we should do, now that I'm saying this out loud, and I probably shouldn't say this on a podcast, but instead in a planning meeting, we should go back at the end of the year and then rank out the 25 most important players and then cross-reference it to our listed at the, uh, the start. That would be uh, – that could be humbling because I do remember last year, for example, uh, would have been last year – Tyron Ferguson. I think we had Tyron Ferguson top 10. Um, yeah, because the thought was, you know, Tyron Ferguson was a senior last year, right? He, he was so off the radar – uh, with his season but going in I think people remember this the thought was he's going to play a lot he's at the outside linebacker spot they need it um, so I remember we had him in the top 10 or around there and uh, obviously that did, one didn't pan out but that so that would be pretty fascinating to see how uh, how far we missed the boat dude do you want to hear some things from last year's list I pulled it up okay we had Tyron Ferguson at number 14 okay he's 14 we have Barrett Pickering at number 16 yeah. We had Deontay Williams at number five. That one is actually – that is true, too. Yeah. It, yeah. it played out exactly why we had him at five because right. we saw what they missed when he was gone. But it's just it's, – it's interesting. You know, Khalil Davis was 23rd for us with four. Oh, uh, way too low. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's just – it's interesting to kind of like you parse through that. But, yeah, I think we should uh, – I think we should do that this year. All right. All right. So, number twenty-five on my list, I have, and he—he's currently already been mentioned uh, in our aggregate list, I believe, at the number twenty-four spot. I went with Caleb Tanner. I don't know what to do with the outside linebackers. I have three of them listed. I could have none of them listed. I could have five of them listed. I don't know what to make of Nebraska's outside linebackers, but I know this much: Caleb Tanner has a lot of value. He's a guy that they're hoping is going to find himself of a breakout in his third year with the program. He's a guy that Mike Dawson, uh, they're hoping that maybe a change with the coaching there can unearth some of that potential. And this is a big recruiting win for this staff when they got here in 2017 and they stole him out of SEC country in 2018. Caleb Tanner has had flashes. He had a really nice couple pass rushes, I guess, if you will, against Colorado early in the season. And then he just sort of disappears for a little bit. And I, I think that Caleb Tanner can be very valuable for Nebraska. Uh, is he indispensable? Maybe not. But I, I think that he can make himself indispensable in a hurry. Yeah, I'll talk about him too because I had him at number 21. And it it's sort of a little bit of a challenge to those guys that they're actually as low as they are. Like Caleb Tanner, in theory, should be higher because he's at a position that lacks depth from what we know. We, there's no proven depth behind him. So this list is sort of not just about a player's talent, but also if he were injured or something, what's it like with the depth behind him? How big of a slam is it to Nebraska's season and situation? And Caleb Tanner, because of the depth at the position, actually probably at this point in his career should be a little higher, or have positioned himself where we think of him as maybe a top 15 guy. But that's sort of the challenge for him is to show now that he's consistent enough that we would all put him there. Not that he's trying to impress us. He's, he's playing for himself and his guys. But um, that he needs to be that type of guy. And if he is, Nebraska's defense will make a massive jump. All right. What do you got at number 25, BC? I had Jordan Riley, which is uh, 
it's taken a little bit of a, a chance on someone who we haven't really seen yet. Uh, he did get some strong reviews in the spring press conference in March, although, you know, take that for, with a grain of salt. But I think he's going to get a lot of reps with Damian Daniels at the nose. Maybe Keem Green gets in there too. Um, and the th- reason I had him 25 is Tony Tuioti at the roundtable in March already included Jordan Riley among the six defensive linemen that were sort of in his mind in the rotation going into the spring. Now, obviously, things can change when they practice more. Uh, but he's really put on uh, some mass. I think he's up to – I think he's 330 or something like that. But he, he put on a lot. He's a big, big guy. And he could, uh, he could take a lot of reps – inside and a lot of pounding sort of like um Darian Daniels did last year so that's why I had him 25. I, I love that you included him I had a tough time separating you know someone like Jordan Riley from Feldarius Payne I think those guys even though they're going to play maybe different spots on the defensive line at times I also think that Jordan Riley could end up as an end in some rush situations like yep. when you're playing at Wisconsin and Iowa Minnesota to give you a little bit of a strong side end and then they rotate him on third down in this passing situation with a Feldarius pain. I like what Nebraska did at the end of the cycle by going and getting a couple guys like that, that you can mix and match. I think a lot of what has held some of this defense back is they haven't had enough pieces for Eric Shenander to kind of do different things with. They sort of forced to go base because they weren't deep enough and they didn't have enough other options. And you throw in those two junior college guys, if a guy at a different level in Etavamalga Clements and, Eric Shenander has pieces he can work with in certain situations. I think that's really going to help Nebraska. I, I think that's a good inclusion of Jordan Riley. He didn't make my list, but I definitely could see where when we're talking about this in December, he absolutely should have. Who do you have at 24? 24, I have everyone's darling. I would argue maybe behind Wandale Robinson is the most popular player on the team. I have Luke McCaffrey, who might line up at quarterback and wide receiver in the 2020 season. This is a guy that uh, you could, you could rank him a lot higher. Um, I have him at 24 feels right to me, but other people could have him up there. It really just depends on if Nebraska develops these wide receivers and guys come in and they're able to perform and you don't need them as much there, then I don't know if your backup quarterback should be that high on this list. But again, if anything happens to Adrian, then maybe you're talking about a a scenario where uh, Luke McCaffrey is, top five in this list so it's a it's a just a different sort of thing I'm couching it a little bit but I have Luke McCaffrey at 24 he's going to have a role and an impact in some game at some point and uh, I think we're all pretty excited about what he can do behind Adrian Martinez yeah you wouldn't normally put a backup QB on the list but I have him on mine too I have him even higher and the reason is I he's going to be used somehow I mean, that he's got too much talent. We saw it last year just with his speed, his burst and all that stuff. They are going to find a way to get him on the field. I, I am positive. They're not just going to let him sit there waiting behind Adrian. Um, I mean, that, it'll be interesting how much they dip him into other parts of the offense as the season would go on. Uh, but, yeah, he's going to be very useful and versatile, and he's got the genes and all that. You just expect him to succeed. My number 24 was uh, – Garrett Nelson, uh, out of Scott's Bluff, now entering his second year in the program. Hair on fire guy. Um, I think uh, he did some good things last year. He was just sort of getting 
um, a feel for it. And I'm pretty excited to see now if he can take the next step. And he, I mean, it's going to be a good battle. There, there's others involved, but him and, him and Caleb Tanner, you think of first in sort of the contest at the outside linebacker spot opposite of JoJo Doman. And so, you know, Nelson could be a starter. He won a black shirt last year from the staff just for the way he goes about his business. So uh, he had a good first fall on campus, and I think now he's ready to uh, make the next move. Yeah, I I agree with you here. I have Nelson higher. I actually have him as the highest of my outside linebackers uh, as I look at my rankings here. I'm I'm pretty high on Garrett Nelson. I think at the very, very least, he's going to be a competent starter for Nebraska this year. I think that last year he'll be the first to tell you that he was going – wasn't quite as ready to be on the field as what he had wanted. Physically, he's ready. I think that he – he didn't read situations as well as he needed to. He said he was going to spend a lot of time in the offseason trying to prepare himself uh, to, to have a better understanding of what teams are trying to do to him and when they try to isolate him on certain plays and when they try how they try to block him. And this is a guy that isn't going to uh, isn't going to leave a stone unturned. I mean, he he wants to be the best player he can be. He wants to be an All-American in Nebraska. He wants to be the homegrown hero. He wants to be a hometown captain. I think Nebraska is going to get a lot out of Garrett Nelson. And I think this year is sort of going to be a bit of a breakout. So I, I'm very high on what Nebraska has with Garrett Nelson. And I mean, you described him as a man with the hair on fire. I think he wants to play that way, but I think the big thing for him is he wants to have a plan and he wants to be able to react when other teams try to figure out what he's doing. Yep. All right. Uh, at 23, as we continue our outside linebacker discussion, I have a guy that I listed, I think, higher last year. But because, again, with the outside linebacker and having some different pieces and you might use them in, in some different ways, I have JoJo Doman here. And this might be the lowest of where he sits for any of the three of us on this list. And I like JoJo Doman a lot. I think he definitely has a role, certainly against those spread attacks. Uh, but as we heard from Eric Shenander, I mean, there's still a lot of growth left for him, too. And, and they need him to kind of play within the confines of the system, freelance a little bit less. Uh, but, if, again, this is a guy that when he's on the field, more often than not has made plays in his career. It's just that they want to prevent those negative plays that pop up when he's caught in the wrong position. I think that he's going to have a nice season. I think he's not I, – I don't know if he's going to be a day one starter – as much as he's going to be kind of a plug and play based on who they're facing and, and the situation. Yeah, I have him higher, but I, I understand why he's lower on your list because of what Shenander explained to us. He just has to become more consistent. He's one of those players. I think if the average fan on the street were asked about like Husker playmakers and guys who stand out, Jojo Doman would pop up pretty quickly. Uh, but I think for the coaches who watch the film and stuff, there's an understanding that the ceiling is much higher than he's reached so far. And I, that said, it's somewhat in compliment of Jojo. He's got, he's got to reach it now, but I think they think he could be a, a dynamite player, but he's got to, he's got to harness what Chenander's talking about and um, you know, do your job as Chenander says, it's the old Belichick phrase, but uh, they, they preach it at Nebraska too. I had Ben Hart at 23 uh, right tackle. I think a lot of us are presuming he gets the first crack at it um, as a redshirt freshman. The only reason I don't have him higher, actually, is because of the depth on the offensive line. 
And even though you might say, okay, well, who's behind Ben Hart? I would say it's Matt Farniak's behind Ben Hart. If, if for some reason Ben Hart isn't up for it or there's an injury or something, you could always move Farniak to uh, right tackle and you could still have some options on the interior of your line because they have accumulated a lot of uh, potential there. So that's why I, ha- I have him lower, even though I think pretty soon we might be talking about Bryce Ben Hart in the top five on our list within a year or two. Yeah, I, uh, I have Ben Hart a little higher uh, than you do. We won't get to him today from my side of the list, but I, I have full confidence that he's going to be a dude at Nebraska, and I think it starts this year. And uh, I, I think one of the, the things about a guy like Bryce Benhart that is so important to remember is this is the first winter he's never had to cut weight. He wasn't worried about being 285 for wrestling. He didn't have to focus on wrestling. He could, you know, be on a, on a consistent meal plan and he could lift and he could continue to kind of fill out that frame. And he was a skinnier 310, you know, last year. And I know that sounds ridiculous to say, I say that as a fat person, you don't seem like there should be a skinny 310, but Bryce Penhart's also 6'8". (laughs) So that, that certainly lengthens out things. Uh, his wingspan is enormous. This is a guy that they told from the day that they recruited him that right tackle was going to be his spot. Uh, very, very intrigued to see what happens there. Another redshirt guy, and you didn't have him on your list. I have him on mine, and it's hard because I think they're pretty deep in that secondary. But I felt like I had to have Miles Farmer on here because I think, if nothing else, he might be one of their most important special teams players playing across all of the units, backing up you know, with the, the secondary. and. You listen to Travis Fisher talk about Miles Farmer, it's hard not to assume that he should be even higher on the list when he said he was one of their best players on their team last year and he redshirted. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm buying the hype on Miles Farmer. Uh, I'm excited about this guy and, and his athletic ability. And I think, like I said, we'll see it more special teams early on. But, you know, if he goes in and, and something happens, Deontay Williams or Markel Dismuke, like I think that's your number three safety right now. Maybe it's DiCaprio Boodle because he has the experience, but I think they're going to get Miles Farmer on the field. I think the hope is that they finally have guys positioned behind the starters where if something were to happen to Dismuke or Williams, now you don't have to play this game of musical chairs like they played last season where Cam Taylor-Britt moves to safety and then, you know, then at the end you move Boodle to safety and all this stuff's happening. Now you, you move Farmer in and, and say, all right, it's your turn. And so that's uh, – you're right, though. Travis Fisher loves Miles Farmer um, on and off the field. And he loves Quinton Newsom too. Uh, those are two guys from the 2019 class that he really likes. But I, and I'm not going to close the door on Noah Pola Gates if he's healthy, that he, he gets in the mix too. Um, I had a veteran at number 22. I had Colin Miller. Um, I didn't know exactly what to do with the middle backers because I label that position a question mark because I think they have a lot of room to grow. And I think Barrett Root and those guys would be the first to say it. And yet I think it's a position group that could be, we could be saying at the end of the next season is really deep, you know, because there's so many guys who are pushing like Nick Henrich and Luke Reimer and all these guys, I could see them making things pretty interesting, but Still, Colin Miller and Will Honus, they give you that senior presence that's very important right now. And Colin Miller's played a lot of snaps for Nebraska, so I think he belongs on this list. Is that Michael Brunch's music? 
It is. I'm I'm running towards the uh, ring with a giant steel chair, ready to clear the area. Wow. And well, don't listen to the first two minutes of the podcast because I made fun of you. But skip over that. <laughs> we're uh, we're appreciative of of you being here. BC and I are running through our uh, our you know back end of the list here. We're at number twenty. He just finished up his number twenty two, which is the same as my number twenty one. I have Colin Miller at number twenty one. BC hit on a lot of it for me. Uh, again, I don't know what to do with the inside linebackers either because I just talked about how Nick Henrich could have been on this list because if he has kind of a breakout year, I think he takes Colin Miller's job. Uh, but you also have Etchev Amalga Clements and Keyshawn Green and, uh, you know, Luke Reimer and all of those guys. So inside linebackers going to be really, really interesting. That's who I have at 21. Before we get BC's 21, Brunch, do you have your list handy? Do you want to run you, add? I, I, I'll give you a quick look. It's Alante uh, Brown at 25, Jordan Riley at 24, Will Honus at 23, uh, Travis Vokalak was 22 for me, and uh, my 21 was Garrett Nelson um, for, for you guys, uh, if that's where you're at now. So those are, uh, those are some new names for BC and I. So that tells you how this exercise sort of goes because – we're kind of all over the place a little bit. Brown, Brown, Honus, and Vokalik are all new names, Brunt. So give us a little rundown on why you would include those three. Yeah, I think Honus for me is similar to kind of what you guys were talking about with the inside backers is it just seems like there's a lot of options there. So maybe a little less indispensable. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, if Honus struggles or gets hurt or something, I think they've got people – to, to step up, um, you know, some that are, are somewhat proven, some that are new, but you have a lot of bodies there, which weighed a little bit heavily on my mind. Uh, Jordan Riley is one at, at 24. I think he's going to be important, but again, I, I think there's enough depth there um, that at that defensive tackle spot that you can kind of get by. But I, I also think, you know, he he's he deserves to be mentioned, I think, because he was an important get in last year's recruiting class that I don't think necessarily gets the run that he probably deserves. Uh, and then was Alante Brown the other one you guys said? Yes. So he, in my mind, I you know, if I would have redone the list, I think I probably would have moved him up a little bit higher just because it sounds like there's going to be um, so, some doubt about Will Nixon's availability for this fall. Uh, but to me, he's just kind of that, you know, a, a piece of that group that's going to have to step up at wide receivers. So I, I probably have him a little bit lower uh, than maybe what he, he should be. I don't know. I, I'm guessing he's probably on your guys' list somewhere, um, but he was uh, number 25 for me. All right. Well, that's, uh, that's a good rundown from Brunch there. So here's who uh, BC has now at number 21 to cap things off for us. Um, well, I had Tanner at 21, so I kind of okay, went, right, right. went over him. But, um, yeah, that's my 21. Just so people know where our official list, where we're at, um, 25 was Connor Culp. 24 was Caleb Tanner when we tabulated all the votes. And uh, let's see, 23 is Garrett Nelson. So um, is, is Culp only on the list because of me? Yeah, you saved him. You saved the kicker. <laughs> you guys are dumb. <laughs> did you what? learn nothing from last year no i think i don't know if he's gonna win the job that's yeah. all <laughs> 21 through 25 could literally have been anybody competing for that kicking job 
Well, that's how many kickers they have. But, uh, no, I, I think this is Jonathan Rutledge's guy. And uh, I, I think that Connor Culp's going to win that job. And I think he's going to be pretty important for Nebraska. But uh, I can say that for when I get to a much higher spot. on. Yeah, way, way higher. <laughs> the only reason he made the, the aggregate is because of me. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's, uh, that's exciting. All right, Brunson, well, you joined us just before we went to break, but we're going to take a quick break now. When we come back, we're going to get into recruiting. We'll hit on some guys that Nebraska's trending well with. I'll talk about Lardarius Webb and learn a little bit more about Nebraska's newest commitment that happened when I was on vacation. And uh, we'll have all of that and more on the other side here on Husker 24-7 Podcasts. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, we're back, and we have all three of us. This is, uh, this is really exciting. This is uh, fascinating news. BC, we didn't get a chance to, to talk about this much. How was your trip? How was your vacation? Um, it, w- it was discussed a little while you were gone. I, um, my fishing prowess was discussed, but I actually didn't fish a whole lot last week. It, it was more uh, laying in a raft in the, in the bay, which is fine. So, uh, yeah, that, that's about it. I'm 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 looking a little tanner than usual, um, which is just a slightly above a white pace now. Um, but yeah, I, I I'm feeling good and refreshed, and I'm ready. I'm ready to talk uh, recruiting or whatever. All right, that's good. You didn't uh, you didn't have to spend a night on the boat. No, not this time. Uh, that I did go back to that that lake though. Um, but my father uh, was. Uh, at the motor and we were much safer what kind of boat was it i don't think that's what i ever asked oh just a small uh fishing boat not a not a huge motor only a 25 motor some fishing some people out there with boats would kind of look down on the 25 but that's fine they can they can create all the waves with their 75s and these big motors but that uh it's a it's a smaller boat um so yeah it was a, it was a good time and um it, things are much safer when my dad uh, is around and kind of in charge of things, even though I'm a grown man and should be able to handle that stuff myself. So it wasn't like a pontoon or anything? No, no. Um, but I think Bronson and I discuss how, how our fathers, that generation, they're kind of a do it. They, they kind of are do everything people. And I think sometimes they look at people our age and they're like, man, they just shake their head or internally. They're like, these guys, we got to teach them things. And they, they just don't know things. Okay. Yeah, my, it basically stemmed from the fact that uh, my dad did, did kind of the lightning round version of this old house over the weekend. So it's, uh, 
it, it was it was not it was not reflective in a positive light on on my home improvement knowledge. Yeah, no, I I think you guys are onto something. I have no discernible skills whatsoever, and so when I first bought my house, and my dad would come down, and it was basically like. I was sort of like a four-year-old following him around the house, trying to learn the different things that he was, he was trying to show me. But instead I was 20, whatever, and still don't know to this day. So I, I don't know how one acquires his knowledge outside of YouTube videos. And even then, whenever I've gone that route, I've sometimes made the issue worse. So I'd rather just pay the money to have someone else come do it. That's, that's where I'm at in life. That's why I work to, to, to pay for to other people to do the, the stuff that I can't. To shovel money at problems. Yes. Nice. That's fair. Nice. All right. Well, um, I don't want to segue by saying shoveling money because that is not what you do in recruiting, uh, at least not yet. But Nebraska has had some nice success here. They picked up a commitment when I was gone. They picked up two commitments when I was gone. But Latrell Neville, we knew about. We don't have to spend a lot of time on. What did you guys make of the day that Lardarius Webb committed? And, and what have you kind of learned about him in the time since he's joined Nebraska's class? We'll start with you, Brian. Um, I, well, I like his length. Um, he's, he's only listed at 5'10", the same height his father was, who had about a decade career in the NFL. So it's not like he can't get things done. But if you actually look at his, his frame, he probably plays – honestly like three or four inches at least bigger than that when you look at his arm length and uh, we know how big a deal length is with this coaching staff at at all levels of the defense Um, I think we're sort of in that stage though where Travis Fisher has a lot of fans uh, among the amongst the Husker faithful and when he looks at a prospect and says he fits what I want I think right now people give him the benefit of the doubt. And this was a, also a prospect who had come out of the Alabama area. I know he recently transferred to a school in Mississippi. But Eric Chenander knows the Alabama area pretty well. And I feel like this is a, a prospect they, they've done their homework on. He's got great genes, obviously. I think a lot of things add up uh, to make him one of the more interesting prospects, honestly, in the class just because nobody else has offered him. Yeah, Brian kind of hit on – most of what I would hit on, but I mean, I, I think, you know, Travis Fisher very much has a, you know, his own criteria for what he looks for in defensive backs, um, you know, recruiting rankings be damned. And in the situation with Darius Webb, I mean, he, he's not even ranked. So, uh, you know, th- this was a guy that I, I believe, you know, if he would have gotten it, gotten out and been able to camp places and kind of be seen this summer, I think, you know, his recruitment would look significantly different, but, uh, obviously a guy that, you know, Nebraska liked, they've done their homework on a lot of guys in Alabama that, that maybe, you know, don't rise to the top of a lot of people's consciousness. But, uh, I, I feel like if it's an Alabama prospect, I feel like the staff has more than enough connections to feel good about their evaluations. And again, they trust their evaluations and I, I think this is a guy that, that's, again, fits what Nebraska is looking for. And even, you know, when you, you watch his film and, and his highlights and stuff, he, he's willing to kind of get up and, and help and, and run support, which, uh, you know, some high school guys aren't willing to do. And I, I think, you know, with, with playing, phys- playing with physicality, you, you can definitely uh, start with that. So I think it's, it was a surprise for sure when it happened, uh, and especially given how quickly it came after the offer. But 
I, I think it's, uh, you know, Travis Fisher has definitely earned the benefit of the benefit of the doubt on a lot of these evaluations. Yeah. I, he was a name that had maybe popped up a couple weeks earlier when Nebraska had offered, it seemed like they wanted to move pretty quickly on this one. And he's the first defensive back in the boat, but he might be uh, joined here shortly. We'll kind of transition away from who Nebraska's picked up to where they're trending right now. Here's a guy in Marquise Buford that uh, this could go really quickly for Nebraska. I don't have an exact timeline. I don't know when to anticipate an announcement or even if one is expected, but I have heard and I feel pretty strongly that Nebraska is way out in front here. He was here in Lincoln over the weekend for what some recruits have to do now, where if you haven't ever been to a place, you kind of show up, you walk around campus, you can't meet with the football staff or anybody from the university really in any kind of capacity. But what you can do is just kind of get a feel for the place and then the people. And Marquise Buford, who's now at St. Thomas More Prep, is knows Alante Brown and through Alante Brown, got to know some of the other guys on the team, hung out with some of the players. I'm told that went very, very well. And things look very good for Nebraska right now with someone that I think is kind of an intriguing prospect. He's the number one prep player in the country. We've seen the staff now. They took Casey Rogers, who is a prep guy. They took Alante Brown, who is the number one prep player last year. And with Marquise Buford, this could be the third one in, in uh, what, four cycles? So, uh, an interesting kind of development to, to watch what they're doing. Trish trying to find other avenues to add talent. And Buford's a guy out of Texas. He played at Trinity, the same school as Maurice Washington. Very good athlete. He could play either side of the ball. But Nebraska likes him as a corner. And, again, uh, they might be trending in the wrong direction for somebody like Tommy Hill. But, as always, Nebraska seemingly has a plan that they can adapt when things don't work out as they see it. You guys have thoughts on Marquise Buford? It's it, he's an interesting prospect. I mean the the fact that he is you know six foot one ninety. Um, you know I I think he he has the the body to come in and play early. Um, you know I, I I like that Nebraska is looking at, at the prep school route and kind of using connections. I mean I I think that they've done well uh, recruiting that the last couple of classes. I think that they're going to be able to recruit that strongly going forward too. Cause I, you know, Mike Dawson has so many connections in the Northeast uh, that, that I think that that's something that they can kind of use as uh, not a pipeline, but you know, you're, you're finding a guy that's, you know, a year older than, than, than his class. He's got the full uh, eligibility and a lot of those guys are able to come in at semester too. So there's a lot to like there. And, and also, I mean, it's obviously there's interest there if he's coming up just to kind of walk around campus on his own uh, because you, you can't see the coaching staff uh, right now or, or make any kind of unofficial visits. So uh, maybe that's the, the trend in, in COVID visits. But uh, I think the fact that, that that visit's happening and the connections, I, I think that that uh, pretty much highlights that, that Nebraska is in a good spot there. Yeah, I think, you, oh, I, think you got, I think you guys covered it pretty much. I, I was like, he has a good offer list. I mean, he's not, obviously he's not like your top-end four-star recruit in that sort of offer list. But you look, you look at who's after him, there's some pretty good defensive coaches. And I think uh, it, it also spans all across the country who's after him. I mean, it goes from Cal to uh, SEC country and Ole Miss and obviously Nebraska and Iowa State. So 
I think that tells you something sometimes when a guy um, he's getting attention from every every area code all over the all over the map every time zone. All right, Brian, one of the other guys I want to hit on here, Kamonte Grimes. I think Nebraska's in a pretty good spot there. Andrew Ivan's caught up with him, and, and the Huskers were already in his top five. And you could say now that they're in their top two. BC, you, uh, you retweeted that story. Obviously, you had a chance to read it. What do you sort of make of, of Kamonte Grimes? And if the Huskers, you know, they already have Latrell Neville. They have Sean Hardy. Those are two six-foot-three wide receivers. How do you feel about Matt Lubick if he were to, in his first full recruiting class he adds a guy in Camonte Grimes, and they just went and they got three tall trees to put with the rest of their wide receivers. Yeah, I think the thing that's honestly jumped out to me the most in the last three to four weeks concerning Nebraska recruiting is the presence of Matt Lubick. It feels like uh, with some key guys, uh, with Neville, we heard it. Uh, with Grimes, you're hearing it. Uh, those guys have really liked – how Matt Lubick has laid out what they would be doing at Nebraska and how this offense is going to work or what the plan is ahead. And he must do it in a fashion that, that, uh, that connects because it, he keeps coming up. And so that's really what's jumped out to me is uh, we all kind of wondered, I think, when Matt Lubick came aboard, because he has that coordinator role, sometimes coordinators are a little bit more in the background with recruiting. We've seen – both examples here at Nebraska and Matt Lubick if you look through his career he's done a little of everything he's had places where he's been one of the top recruiters on the staff and he's had places where he maybe hasn't had to do as much and I think what we're seeing here is uh, he's fit right in in explaining this Scott Frost offense and how him and Frost work together and how it's going to highlight skill position players on the outside so that's what jumped out to me about Grimes comments was uh He's very close with Lubick, and so is Neville. And I think, uh, I think that's become something that has, has really become uh, one of the narratives of Nebraska recruiting in the last month. Yeah, uh, Kamonte Grimes, six foot two, 190-pound athlete. Like I said, I, I, I like seeing this. I know Nebraska wants to have a mixture of bigger and, and smaller wide receivers, but I, I, you know, I like that they've gone out and they've went out and they've corrected a problem that they've had. I mean, you have Sean Hardy, 6'3". You have Latrell Neville, 6'3". You had Omar Manning, Xavier Betts from the previous class. If you add Grimes to that, you just continue to kind of chip away at, at an issue that they – maybe they weren't anticipating. I mean, I don't know if they would ever be that forthright about it, but I, I wonder if coming from the AAC, they thought they could get away with having a little bit smaller wide receiver, even on the outside. And in the big 10, that's proven to be difficult for them as they want to try to get that zone running game going. So I think these guys, not only with what they can do in terms of being possession receivers or going downfield and giving you something to work with in the red zone is that they're going to be helpful in terms of opening up that running game. Brunch, do you think I'm grasping at straws a little bit there? No, I don't think so. I mean, I think when you look at kind of what they brought in the first few classes, I mean, I, I don't know if they were looking for, you know, when they were at, at Oregon, I think they had a pretty good mix of, you know, sizes and body types at the wide receiver spot. I think though that, you know, you, you could maybe get away a little bit more in the PAC 12 and certainly the uh, down at UCF with guys that were a little bit smaller. I'm thinking like the, like a Tyjon Lindsay type or, 
you know, and, and who they kind of went and got late, like a Mike Williams or a, a Jerron Woodyard or somebody like that. But I, I think you do have to have a, a good mix of sizes in the Big Ten. You need, you need physical guys that are able to go up and make contested catches, but you also need the J.D. Spielman, Wandale Robinson type that, you know, are, are tough to cover in space. And, and that's, you know, what this offense tries to do is to highlight the, the athletic ability of those types of players. So I, I don't I, – I think you, you do yourself a little bit of a disservice if you go, you know, one way or the other. But I, I think Nebraska is starting to finally get a little bit closer to a little bit of balance than what they've had in, in quite a while. I mean, it, it's uh, – you know, not just this staff that's had a smaller wide receiver core. It was that way uh, with Mike Riley's group as well. I got one more thing on Grimes. Just a month ago, our Michigan site was writing about, you know, Michigan's been recruiting him too, and they've kind of been looking at him on the defensive side. And the, the entire story is about the Jabril Peppers role appealing to Camonte Grimes. And it looks like Nebraska's maybe a little bit in front now. Um, but that, that to me is interesting because this is a very versatile guy. You, you coach is always like that. Oh, this guy's a football player line. Um, that's what we're talking about here with Grimes, which I think is most exciting and appealing about him is, yeah, he's a, a good wide receiver, but he's really good on both sides of the ball enough so that, you know, a big time program up, up North is, is offering him on that side of the ball and, uh, naming one of their better players in recent memory as a guy to uh, try to model his game after. So I think when I saw that story, I was, I became more intrigued by him as a prospect and just all the different things he can do. All right, gentlemen, any, uh, any final thoughts, anything else you want to get into before we uh, depart for today? I think maybe, maybe in our next uh, pod, we, we can get into kind of what the, the rest of this class will look like. Not, not necessarily who, but what kind of, you know, what, what positions are, are going to be key over the, the next few months? Because Nebraska still has a ways to go until they're full, but it seems like, you know, we're just kind of starting to, to, to whittle things down a little bit. I'd be curious to get your thoughts on that maybe next episode. That sounds good. I like that veteran tease from Michael Brunch there that keeps the folks listening to the Husker 24-7 podcast. If you get tired of us talking at you and you want to give your ears a break, you can always check out Husker 24-7. Read all of our great coverage. We had a stock report today on the trends of some of these guys uh, and where Nebraska sits, including Terrence Lewis. You'll have to check that out on the website if you're a VIP member. You can check out our most indispensable lists. I'll be dropping throughout the week. We'll have other great coverage as it happens on Husker 24-7. We'll be back with another pod this week.